0: Chapter 13 of A Bachelor Girl in Burma by Geraldine E. Mitten. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 Pways Though I was only in Burma a little over two months, I was lucky enough to see three plays, or national plays, all of different kinds. The first was at Rangoon, and was in some ways the most amusing of the three. The other two were at Mameo. The first play was a kind of variety entertainment. We drove down after dinner in a gary to a bit of waste ground encumbered by much debris. Numerous groups of people were threading their way to the scene. Our gary bumped over uneven railway lines, balks of timber and other obstacles, until at last appeared a black crowd of heads outlined against the light of the stage. We got out and passed through on foot, and way was made very courteously until we reached the front. A rough small platform with a sacking roof over it was doing duty for a stage, and two or three lamps without shades were hanging down from the top, so that the glare of their light was in one's eyes most excruciatingly all the time. The entertainment is one annually given by the owners of Rangoon Mills for their employees, and the owners and their guests naturally have the seats of honor, represented by a row of chairs close up to the performance along the stage at the back and one side were two groups of men with similar musical instruments each played for a set time and then stopped while the other had an innings a provision that seemed necessary as the play goes on all night the way in which they played against each other one set clashing with all their might and then stopping suddenly while the other took it up on the instant was most vigorous but terribly distracting the chief instrument is a kind of harmonicon sweeping up to each end in a curve along which are strung slats hammered by the performer the cymbals make a perpetual clash the clarionets a discordant and wailing shriek and the bamboo clappers are deafening the total effect is felt rather than heard gentle melodies would obviously not appeal to the burman taste The spectators who all stood were in the open without any sort of shelter which would have been quite unnecessary in the warm still air the sea of faces amid which were a large proportion of those belonging to natives of india stretched away into darkness on all sides in the front of the platform actually on it was a row of small children who gravely and critically regarded all that went on they were evidently of a very poor class with shabby clothes indeed No silks were to be seen here. The first performer was the funniest little imp I ever saw, dressed in tight skirts and short embroidered jacket of the old court style, with two stiffened wings sticking out about the level of the waist behind. It was impossible to tell if it were a boy or girl. Its face was so whitened with tanaka as to look like a mask. The pink silk tamion clung to it so as to show every movement of its lithe body. It sang in a weird, cracked voice, one shade worse than that usually heard in English music halls, but it danced really beautifully, considering the difficulties of the costume. A more self-possessed and radiantly happy little mortal I never saw. When it paused for a moment, someone beckoned it forward, and as it knelt, perched on the edge of the rough boards, looking like a huge insect, asked it in Burmese its sex and age, and we learned it was a boy of ten two rough men who had been sitting on one side of the platform awaiting their turn now joined in and played the part of clowns and very well they did it the face of one was a complete study in humour i had somehow expected the whole thing to be solemn and tedious but instead of that it positively irradiated fun and though it was impossible to follow the jokes which perhaps was as well the very expressions and gestures of the men were extremely comical afterwards a girl a little older than the first performer came on and screeched through songs in the raucous nasal voice which seems the correct thing and held a conversation with the clown in which the great jest was to bring in a few english remarks such as come on and yes yes which never failed to secure smiles the audience were remarkably self-possessed no howls of laughter or clapping or anything of that kind disturbed the actors The gesticulations of the axer's long, flexible hands and arms were the most curious part of the performance. Every joint seemed to be oiled, a result which could only have been secured by a lifelong training. The Burmese are very fond of twisting and turning their joints, and cracking them to secure flexibility. Crashing of the ear-splitting music went on all the time in a deafening din, until I almost prayed that it might stop for a moment. There was some attempt to suit it to the songs but that the attempt was not highly successful was proved by the fact that it was not for some time after the girl had begun singing that one of the englishmen discovered she was attempting daisy bell in english this mimicry of english songs is very up to date and only to be found in rangoon all the evening the english contingent made suggestions as to songs joined in choruses wherever possible and generally stage-managed the affair the small mites along the front of the platform were quite as interesting as the legitimate performers one tiny boy who claimed to be eight but looked about six had a great charm of manner he sat there gravely tucked up in a bunch with the feathery ends of his topknots sticking upright And when one of the Englishmen handed him a box of cigarettes, he took one with the greatest self-possession. A Burmese child learns to have a pull at his mother's cheroot before it is weaned. This little lad accepted a match, struck it with the utmost grace, and, holding it lighted, handed the box back before applying it to his cigarette. Then he inhaled a long breath with evident enjoyment, blowing out the smoke through his nostrils after a minute he passed the cigarette round for each of his tiny companions to have a whiff and resumed it again another mite near him with the baby bracelets of fat still on his wrists looked so beseechingly at the box of cigarettes that it was invited to take one it was so small that it could not manage the match and stared at it comically to discover which end it ought to strike finally handing it to an elder sister When the cigarette was alight, it puffed away like a steam engine, but, near the end, had to express a desire to retire hastily. Its guardian angel wished to take from it the unsmoked half-inch of cigarette remaining, but it vehemently refused and retired, still grasping it in triumph. The songs were succeeded on the stage by something of the nature of an act, a long conversation between two gaudily dressed girls representing a prince and princess and an occasional bandying of jokes with the clown whose chief feature was his straight black hair which he manipulated in the most marvellous way without a single hairpin so as completely to change his appearance i had grown so desperately sleepy almost dazed by the flaring lights and stunned by the tumult of sound that i was not sorry when a move homewards was suggested we left them hard at it with every appearance of going on till the morning if the children get tired they lie down and slumber peacefully where they are a habit which must ensure their not being awakened even if an earthquake should take place the poise of free entertainments got up by or given at the expense of someone and those I saw at Mameo we owe to the generosity of the same kindly Burman who had welcomed us to the exhibition of juggling the huge irregular shed was full of dim shadows when we arrived though outside the moon made the white dust lying on roofs and roads seem like a covering of snow far away at one side was the stage hardly to be seen from the entrance the floor was covered with a heterogeneous crowd many of whom seemed fast asleep and round the sides as far from the stage as it was possible to be were boxes in which whole families of grandees dressed in their most gorgeous silks and costly jewels with their faces well whitened by sat bolt upright on their cushions i remarked that they could not possibly either see or hear from there and was told they did not want to they came there to be seen not to see our chairs were at first put in this position of honour near the boxes but when we expostulated way was made and they were carried across to the centre of the building where space was cleared among the recumbent forms for them it was no easy matter to get to them without treading on some one a tiny brown arm with a wee silver bangle seemingly quite detached really belonged to a baby covered otherwise by a mass of rugs a dark shadow turned out to be an unturbaned head and what appeared to be a mound of bedclothes resolved itself into a whole family asleep together we stumbled through somehow and as our eyes grew more accustomed to the dimness took in details bath towels no means over clean were far the most popular wear for it was quite cold our host himself had added to his other clothes a rich fur cape like a lady's which fell down to his elbows soiled and frayed pink turbans surmounted the bath towels in many cases the owners squatted in the favourite national position and in some cases were so enwrapped in their towels as to look like pyramidal tubs with heads a medley of legs and odd limbs that would have done justice to a field of battle filled all interstices just in front of me a mother sitting complacently with her back to the stage nursed an infant that could not have been more than a week or two old many brightly flaming wood fires were alight on the baked mud ground and the people crouched so closely around them that one wondered how it was they did not catch fire the acrid smoke added itself to the pungent fumes of the enormous cigars smoked on every side rugs of good english patterns warm and comfortable lay about in piles. Every family seemed to possess one or more. On one side of me a man who had carefully placed his two small children down in a kind of improvised bed, removed some of his own garments and snuggled down beside them, with the clothes up to his chin. It was impossible to move, or one's chair-legs would have injured some unconscious head, and a variety of jokes flew about among our party, which was reinforced by many officers from the camp don't move old fellow or your chair leg will be through that man's head oh never mind you've done it now for heaven's sake don't stir again or you'll kill another one of them wait till it's over and so on a rattle of chaff which absurd as it sounds was not so far from the truth as to be without point the show was one of marionettes and marvelously where they worked not only in dancing but with all the gesticulations of hands and arms natural to the trained burman dancers as well the wire pullers behind the rough curtain kept up a kind of screeching sing-song all the time naturally this became a little monotonous especially as one did not understand a word of it as time went on more and more of the spectators took a recumbent attitude though when a joke was made on the stage several heads bobbed up which showed their owners were listening The effect was so funny that the jokes, incomprehensible as they were, became real, and the whole scene was well-nigh indescribable. The irregular supports, the gleams of pure moonlight through the roof, the weird fires, the smoky atmosphere, the glimpses of the cold steely night outside, the crouching figures, the clashing and braying of the band. I began to wonder if I were awake or in some strange new world of dreams. The next evening the play was not nearly so well patronized. It was the usual stage play about a prince and princess, and was evidently not so popular as the marionettes. The previous night no floor space had been visible, but now square yards of withered brown grass and baked mud appeared in patches. The scenery was slung over a rope at the back of the stage, and did not hang quite even. And when anyone wanted to see if his turn to come on had arrived he made no scruple about lifting up the bottom and looking through at the stage at one end was the green room where the actors could be seen making up there was a weary prologue and i am told in court burmese not the colloquial language where four solemn men discussed high politics and the affairs of the kingdom in the play when we were all much tired a bored-looking girl appeared her movements were very slow and very self-possessed she made a few gesticulations but she spent her time chiefly in fingering and arranging the chains at her neck with her back to the audience at length with a look of ineffable disdain she condescended to dance very slowly and deliberately on and on she went always the same posture always the same slow repetition until one's eyes ached with weariness it is not in the least what europeans call dancing but a very slow series of steps done over and over again with a few twists now and then the dancing of the mite at rangoon had been animated and brilliant compared with this but perhaps that is also an imitation of english habits like the songs when the performer at last deserted a slow, pompous man, dressed in a long white coat, appeared. The excessive deliberation of his movements made one realize that the performance must be spun out until 5 a.m. Putting down his cheroot, he kneeled and salamed three times, then strolled to a seat on the stage. Another man entering went through exactly the same gestures, then another, and yet another. We were told the salaaming was in our honor, and was not usually a part of the scene. The four men sat two on a table in the middle and one on a chair on each side the long white coats of muslin were the usual half-dress of courtiers in the king's time and the costumes on the stage are court costumes this became so slow and so wearisome that we ventured to make a request that we might have the clown as a relief as soon as possible our kind host promised he would do all he could, but he said there was a certain order in which convention decreed these things must take place, and to a Burman precedent is a law in itself. At length the men retired, and we prepared to enjoy the clown, when, lo and behold, the same tedious and disdainful girl who had been seen before came again. It was difficult to sit her out. She fingered her chains, turned around, made gestures with her long thin flexible hands over and over again but still there was nothing to be called dancing she was fortunately not so long on the boards as at first when at last she did go the four men differently and very magnificently dressed accompanied by one in a cloth of gold representing a king came back the king took up his seat in the center and the others knelt humbly on each side forming a lane before him THE puay HAD NOT BEGUN UNTIL TEN. BY THIS TIME IT WAS PAST MIDNIGHT, AND OUR EYES REFUSED TO KEEP OPEN ANY LONGER. RESISTING THE BURMAN HOST'S PRESSING INVITATION TO WAIT TILL SOME COFFEE COULD BE PREPARED FOR THE LADIES, WE WENT OUT INTO THE COLD BLUE MOONLIGHT AND DROVE HOME. I HAD TOLD CHANNASWAMI HE MIGHT GO TO THE puay, AND WHEN I SAW HIM THE NEXT MORNING, HE VOLUNTEERED THE PREGNANT REMARK. I GO THERE, MISSY. HAD ENOUGH OF THAT. NOT GO AGAIN. End of chapter 13